time and energy and devote it towards pursuing God on a deeper level this next, <clears throat> this next uh, month, whenever we step into January 10th, we're going through January 31. It's a Sunday to a Sunday. We're going to have a 21-day season of fasting where we're just going to take something in our lives. Some of you will do it with food. That you say, well, you know what? Every lunch period, I'm going to take my lunch, and I'm not going to eat lunch at that point, and I'm going to take that 30 minutes, 15 minutes, hour, whatever it is you get, and take that time, and I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to spend time in his word, and I'm just going to carve out a moment in my day by taking something I normally do and, and push it to the side. Some of you like Netflix a whole lot. Some of you enjoy Netflix, and you can say, you know what, normally from 9.30 to 10.30 at night, I'm watching this show, or, you know, I pop from one to another to another to another. Well, I'm going to, instead of doing four episodes a night, I'll do two and take that chunk of time and pursue God. I don't know what it is. Some of you, it's, who knows what it will be, and... Uh, but I want to really get you thinking about it right now, and that will begin to do that January 10th in two weeks from today. So I'm very excited about doing that alongside you. We are uh, wrapping up a series that I've really enjoyed. We simply call The Way in a Manger. And so many times at the holiday season, we, can, we, we remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. We remember that that's really what this is all about. It's not about all of the gifts, and those are wonderful. It's not about the pies, and those are really good. It's not about um, all of the activities that we do together, but it is about something bigger and more powerful, and it's about Jesus. But if we just reflect and just stop there, that's a great place to journey. But if we just stop there and we don't understand the full meaning of who Jesus is and why he's come, then we forget the implications that that has in our lives. We just have this little head knowledge, yeah, it's about Jesus, glad Jesus came. And we don't let it get deep down inside of our hearts. And today I want to look at that manger. And I want us to take a little bit different glance at it. Because there are places in our lives that God is stirring you to grow in. God is stirring some maturity in you. And typically, the places where we need to grow the most are the places we don't want to deal with the most. That's the places we don't. Any time we've got, we've got a, a something strong going in our lives, we want to show that off. We want to be able to do that. You know, I, my, I got to spend some time with my grandparents um, yesterday and my family. You know, and growing up, I would always, when I'd go to Meemaw Papa's house, well, then I was always excited to show my Mima Papa if I've learned something new, if I thought I had done something good, or if I, if I had brand new shoes, whatever it was, I just wanted to share it with them. But it was always something good. Rarely did I ever say, hey, you know, Mima Papa, I can't wait to show you how I'm terrible at this. You know, I'm really, I've started this new thing in my life, and I'm horrible at it, and I just want to show you all how bad I am. And so, no, we want to, we gravitate towards, Showing things off. I guarantee you, people, when they take their little Facebook photos of their meal and they post it, rarely did a someone go, wow, this was horrible. You know? Some of the funny ones where you have the Pinterest fails, 
You know, you see the cute little dish on Pinterest and it looks all awesome and then you try to make it and it looks like macaroni gone crazy. And uh, you're like, that's, that's not even right. Uh, but most of the time, that's not our hearts. We're not, we're not want to talk about our struggles. We don't want to talk about the places where we feel like we're still in infancy or we still have a lot of room to grow. But honestly, that's what the Christmas story is about. The Christmas story is about that we're celebrating that all of this potential, all this was going to come out of a baby that Jesus didn't pop out of the womb speaking the words of God. He goo-gooed and gaga'd and cooed just like every other baby. He grew and matured just like every other baby. And here were these, these, uh, these angels, these shepherds, all of these who saw this incredible potential. All that God would wanted to do, all the hopes and dreams and, the, and the, the promises of God wrapped up in this baby that wasn't going to be able to do anything about it at that moment. So let's go ahead and let's take our mindsets and let's look at this and dare to let the Holy Spirit tap you on the shoulder this morning about that place you would rather leave alone and allow him to come in and begin to sweetly speak to you about seeing some growth in that area. See, every Christmas we do celebrate that God made a way where there was no way. And the older we get, sometimes the more difficult these growth moments are. Typically, by the time somebody hits their mid-40s or 50s and they have an issue they haven't had any real win in, they're like, I'm just that way. Sorry, I hurt your feelings. I'm blunt. I'm just that way. You're just going to have to deal with it. What? No, you're rude. You can be direct, but you can be caring. You can speak the truth in love. Well, I don't like sugarcoating stuff. Well, nobody said you had to sugarcoat it. But you could sit there and have some sort of love come on. But so many times when we get older, we begin to say, well, I'm just that way. Well, sorry, you know. As, I get, you, know, as you get older and say, well, I've just, I've just never been able to, to, to manage this part of my life. And I'm just that way and you're just going to have to deal with it. I've finally grown accustomed to it. And I dare to say that God wants to awaken and do some things that in your mind you've already pigeonholed and said, there's just not a way for that to be dealt with in me. I thank God that he loves me the way I am, and praise God he's just going to have to deal with this part of me for the rest of my life, and it's just not going to change. And, folks, that's just not the way it has to be. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Another translation says, no one approaches the Father except through me. Obviously, we have that understanding that Jesus is that way to the Father. That, that sin and, and our shortcomings and our, our, uh, our brokenness that keeps us in a life of sin, this, that, that, that fault line, that iniquity is what the Bible calls it, that has us keep doing the same dumb thing over and over and over again, that same hurtful thing over and over and over again, that Jesus has come to deal with the, the penalties of sin and to to remove from us that place of iniquity. So we really are new creations. We're just not tolerated creations. There's not just parts of our lives that God just says, well, I'm going to put up with that. We are genuinely new creations. All of a sudden, things where we thought it could never be different, man, we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work in us 
it really does change. And, and so I want us to look at this passage of Scripture where, with a new light where it says no one approaches, no one comes to the Father. It's a journey. It's this thing where we've been called and we've been asked and he loves us so much he meets us right where we are, but he loves us so much he does not leave us there. And so he takes our hand and he comes and we grab the hand of Jesus and at that point we are connected and we say yes to him and he walks us forward step by step and what are we growing into? More and more the image of God. See, the remainder reminds us that infancy is a great place to start. But the fullness of life is found in maturity. We read there in in Luke chapter 2, the the story of the birth of Christ and the the heralding of the angels and and the shepherds who who ran up and and left their flocks and and found baby Jesus lying there in a manger and then went and told everybody about it. And a little later on in Luke chapter 2, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, that we see Jesus staying focused on his assignment, that he was about his father's business. And Luke chapter 2 closes with one short little verse. It's Luke 2.52. And it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew. Infancy was a great place to start. We celebrate that. We don't go, wow. You know, we don't ignore that piece of the story and go, you know, he just wasn't quite ready to be our Savior there. No, we celebrate the fact that the journey has begun, that the Savior has come into the earth. And yes, there was going to be a process of him growing and maturing and stepping out and doing all the miracles and doing all that he was going to do, fulfill all that the prophets had to say about his life and ministry, go to the cross, be placed in the grave, and rise again. But we didn't wait. We don't wait until we think about the resurrected Christ to begin to celebrate what God has done In Jesus, we can come back to this sweet moment and see Jesus in his infancy and celebrate what God has done. I want you to dare to be able to look at yourself as a new creation, to be honest about the places of your life that are still in their infancy. And instead of shirking from it and wanting to hide it and want to say, wow, I'm just not that mature on that front, We want to keep that part closed. Dare to invite the Holy Spirit to begin to move in your life and say, God, I am so thankful that you love me right here, even in the infancy of my anger, even in the infancy of the way I deal with my funds and my resources and the way my attitude I deal with my spouse. I'm still not mature. I'm still struggling in the way I deal with my employer, the way I deal with my family. I'm still immature. But God, I celebrate it and I see that you've begun a journey in me. And instead of seeing something you want to shun, see that part of yourself in Christ in the manger. See that part of yourself as this beautiful new creation that just hasn't fully matured yet. It still needs to grow. It still needs to take the the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It still needs that and that is okay. If you shun it and you push it away and you don't talk about it and you don't nurture it and care for it, you're never going to see it grow. 
You're never going to see it grow. That part of your life will always stay in its infancy. That part of your life will never shift into all that God has for you. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15 says, So God himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Paul is very conscious of the fact that we're not mature. We're not. You have your immature pieces and immature moments. I have my immature pieces and my immature moments. You know, the world doesn't have a real problem with that. The world has a problem with us going out and presenting ourselves to them as if we don't have immaturity. That's where the hypocrisy shows up. That we all of a sudden have it all together. That we always make the right decisions, always in the right moments. They're pretty... pretty willing to deal with us in our rawness if we'll just be open and honest about it because they'll see that piece in too but you know what begins to shine greater when you're willing to just put it all out before God that piece of you that has matured all of a sudden that begins to shine greater your immaturity doesn't drag that down when you're honest about it and recognize this piece needs to grow and I'm, I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to begin to work here and I'm, I'm looking forward to the day that this part of me catches up with this part of me then this part that he's already begun to mature and to develop shines even greater. It shines even greater. That we're going to be mature attaining to the whole measure. Look at this. Attaining to the whole measure of what a good human ought to be. What a good little churchgoer ought to be. Nope. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That piece of your life that you don't want to talk about, you don't want to deal with, you want to shelve and just like, I'm thankful for grace, and that's just going to be the way it, it's just messed up, and that's just the way it is. That peace, God wants to bring about and bring it into maturity, that that area of your life reflects, reflects Christ just like any other piece of your life does. It changes everything. See, then something amazing happens. Then we're no longer be infants. It's because we started out as infants. It's okay. We each had our own little manger moment, and it's okay. We started out as infants, but as we let the Holy Spirit work in our lives, we don't stay infants. Tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful schemings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. You seen those bobbleheads? Got this great old big head and a sad little body. That work? And so much, we have Jesus with a little tiny body of Christ. And when we look at the whole picture, I think so many times it looks like a bobblehead. We recognize Jesus is the head of this thing, but man, what happened to the body? What's happening there? But we're growing. We're growing. 
until we reach and we match our head. We match our head. I was so grateful that uh, my um, ninth grade year, early in my ninth grade year, I went from a size 9 shoe to a size 11 shoe between one pair of purchasing shoes. So I go in and my shoes, my toes are all like this, and we try on and do the old shoe measuring thing. Uh, back old school, people used to come out and they'd put your little foot up on the deal and they'd have the little metal thing and they'd measure your shoe. You know, our kids miss out on that thing. You know, you just go and stick your foot on a rug or something and, you know, nobody's taking care of you. And so, and they sit there measuring like, you need, you got a size 11 foot now. Mom's like, no way, these shoes are nines. Nine and a half, ten. Nope, you need an 11. Well, it was one of those things, I needed 11, felt so good, my mom bought me a 12. And so, because uh, my feet were growing so fast, that it's just like, man, I just I don't know how this is going to go. And so, um, so then I'm like five foot seven with size 12 Nike high tops on. And I look like, I look like, you know, a clown. You know, a stylish clown, but a clown. And, uh, and so I got these big old feet, you know, shoes plopping out there and and it's awkward and weird anyways being a teenager and then you have these. But praise God, the rest of me grew into my feet. You know, you've heard phrases, people like, well, I really hope he grows into his nose. I didn't grow into my nose. I, I'd be six foot five. And so, I didn't. And, uh, but that's what we're, that's what we are. We're connected with this, with the head of the church, this incredible, powerful, amazing Jesus. And here we are, connected to it, and Jesus is cool with it looking a little goofy for a little while. He's cool with it. We're not fully matured. We're not there yet. But you know what? As we embrace and we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, then we're going to grow up. That's the promise that's, that's there. That we'll grow into every respect, the mature body of him who is the head. We're actually going to grow into and fit our head. This whole concept about Jesus being the way forward. God loves us so much again that he meets us there. But Jesus is still the way forward. As we look to him, he's our picture of where we're going. As we see him work and move, that's why Jesus dared to tell his disciples that greater things would his disciples do than he has done. You mean walk on water, water into wine, heal the sick, Jesus, that stuff, he's like, greater things will you do? That's what he said. As we mature, as we grow, as we step into what it means to be the full nature of the body of Christ, we grow into it. And so we're at one place in our lives, we're one way, and you come back and you look, and a few years later, we ought to look a little more Christ-like. We ought to look a little different. You know, one of the great things about photos and videos is it captures a moment when it was, and you can look back at it years later. And um, we found a box full of VHS tapes, nice, big, clunky VHS tapes. And uh, so we found one of uh, when Cutie was in school, and she had to shoot a commercial. And uh, she did some, some retail marketing classes and that kind of stuff. So she decided she was going to do this commercial for Noxzema. 
And uh, so she has the little camera set up and in her room, and she has this. And so she, we find this tape from her years and years and years ago. And we're, we're West Texans. We're proud of it. We don't try to hide our accents. But as we're around other people, it just they, takes the edge off of them a little bit. And so we pop this uh, VHS tape, and Cutie's on there, and I don't remember everything she said, but about something about clean and health, when clean and healthy skin just isn't enough. And that Texas draw just shows up strong as she is shooting this commercial. And the kids are cracking up. They're just totally cracking up. And they're like, Mom, Mom, can you still do that accent? And they're like, she's like, that wasn't an accent. That's the way I talked. That wasn't for the commercial. That's the way I spoke. But she doesn't sound that way anymore as she's grown, as she has matured. Then so many times our kids just didn't even complete, they didn't even connect that with her whatsoever. They didn't even, they're just like, she had to be putting on because it was so different. As you and I grow in Christ, as you and I grow, there'll be people who will meet you years later down the road and you tell them your story. You tell them what Christ has done in your life and they're like, no way. There's no way. There's no way that was you. There's no way you were that messed up. There's no way because look at you today. Look at what God has done in your life. Look at how he's redeemed it. Look at what good he's doing in it. And that's what he does. He makes us into new creations. To move forward, we must not let anything behind us distract us from what God has for us. See, that's what the, the, the enemy wants to come in and do. He's called the accuser of the brethren. Well, for you to be a part of the brethren, the, brother, the brotherhood, sisterhood of Christ, then you're, you're one who, is, who has stepped over from death into life and are made right in Christ. And he's the accuser of them. Why? Because Jesus is not the one. God's not the one who's bringing up all your old junk and beating you over the head with it. Whenever you get in your quiet prayer time with God, if all of a sudden all this old junk starts bubbling to the surface, that's not God reminding you of what a scumbag you are and how lucky you are to have him. That's not it. He doesn't do that to you. We have gratitude because we understand what he's done, but he doesn't bring it up and beat us over the head with it. He talks about that that's behind us, and now he's got something ahead for us. You get alone with God, and he's going to talk about what he's got ahead for you. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says, Not that I have already obtained all this. This is a guy who wrote the bulk of the New Testament, traveled all over Europe and, and uh, Western Asia, and to, took the gospel all over these different places. And he says he's not already attained all this. For I have, <clears throat> I have already been made... <clears throat> Let me start over. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He, gets, he reiterates it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He forgets about what's behind and he presses on towards what's ahead. You know, so many times we want to do this thing 
where we try to drive staring in our rearview mirror the whole time. You and I both know that's a recipe for disaster. We may glance at it. We may see where we've come from. Maybe notice some danger trying to come up from behind. But we can't go forward staring in our rearview mirror the whole time. Got this nice big windshield. We look through that. We look where we're going. We look for what God is taking us forward into. I love it that he says that we don't, forgetting what is behind and pressing on towards what is ahead, looking forward. It's like it's this one fluid motion. He just lets go of the other and he moves this direction. And he moves forward. Folks, God has amazing things in store for each of us. But if we don't deal with that stuff that's behind, we will never be able to enjoy what's ahead. Hebrews eleven fourteen says, People who say such things show that they're looking for their own country. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, this is talking about the uh, Israelites when they'd come out of Egypt. If they had been thinking about Egypt, about the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. If they got focused on that, they had to just gone back there. Moving forward with Jesus means we can't stop at failure or at victory. See, if we define our lives with God by anything other than simply having a relationship with him and allowing his nature to show up in our lives, then at some point we'll either feel like we didn't quite make it or that we have made it. And either way, we'll pull back. To stop at failure and to stop at victory both mean to stop. Most of us recognize enough that you trip, you get back up, and you keep going. But I think the harder places for us to not stop is when we feel like we've arrived at a new level. We've done something new in our relationship with God. I'm just going to rest for a little bit. This is a good spot my relationship with God, and I'm just going to chill out a little bit. We see that in Matthew 17. It says, but then <clears throat> there appeared before them Moses and Elijah. They're with Jesus, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, look, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, thankfully he wanted the input of Jesus, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He's sitting here and he's seeing the the patriarchs of their faith having a conversation with their master. And they're like, this is pretty stinking awesome. Let's just go ahead and we're going to build some temples right here. We're just going to stay right here. It can't get any better than this. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Peter was about to have a good idea, hijack what Jesus was doing, and turn it into something Peter thought was cool for humanity. And God shut him up and said, here's my son. I'm pleased with him. Listen to him. Take your great ideas, take your great moments, and just submit them to him. Guess what? The best is still ahead. The major reminds us that humble beginnings can lead to life-changing endings. And as we wrap up, let's look at Hebrews 12. It says, let us keep looking to Jesus. He's the author of faith. He also makes it perfect. 
He paid no attention to the shame of the cross. He suffered there because of the joy he was looking forward to. He pressed through the suffering because of joy. What was that joy? It was you and I being made right with the Father. Then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and he put up with the attacks of sinners. So think about him and then you won't get tired and you won't lose hope. Jesus on every front is our way forward. When we look at that manger, we remember that God is cool with starting us right where we are. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to finish it. You don't have to take those parts of you that you are want to, to ignore, that you still feel are stuck or immature, and stick them in the closet and, and stick them in the background. You can dare to allow them to come forward and be fully put in the hands of Jesus. Why? Because he's not there to bring ridicule or shame or anything. He's there to simply grow us up into the maturity of <clears throat> himself. Our bottom line is that God's love in our lives brings God's growth in our lives. As we embrace his love, he's going to change us. He's going to shift us into it. It's not our commitment to him brings growth in our lives. That's the false thing of this concept of personal discipline. Should we be people who have regular things that we spend time with God? Absolutely. Should your prayer life be vibrant and regular? Absolutely. Should your time in reading God's word be the same? Absolutely. It should be vibrant and life-giving. But those pieces are not what grow you up. There are people who know the Bible a whole lot better than me, know it from a purely academic standpoint. But they don't allow the love of God to transform them. They don't use that as a tool to spend with the one who gave his life for them. And then life doesn't change. Growth doesn't happen. But as we allow our lives to be fully placed in his hands, allow him to love all of us, not the parts that we think are lovable, but allow him to love us in our fullness, that love will take those parts that you just want to ignore that you want to throw away and allow his growth to change. Yet again, we want to remember that this Christmas season that God made a way where there was no way. The place you feel the most stuck, the most frustrated, God's got a way. I want to create a quiet moment right here. When... <clears throat> For those, if there's anybody here this morning that recognizes and sees that Christianity isn't about committing to read your Bible and attending church and doing a bunch of good stuff, that being a Christ follower, Christ follower isn't about walking away and stopping doing a bunch of destructive stuff. 
that being a child of God is simply about believing that he loved you and that great love was demonstrated in him giving Jesus. That God's love meets you right where you are. You don't have to shift anything other than your place of dependence in your heart. You just believe that he did it. That Jesus is enough. And you say, Lord, I believe Jesus died for me. He's my savior. And I believe I'm right with you because of what he did. And you step over from death into life. And then at that point, he takes your hand. He begins to walk with you and grow all of that other stuff out. All that other stuff, it gets dealt with. But if you're here this morning and you want to say yes to the gift of God that is Jesus, I want you to just raise your hand and we will pray with you. Awesome. 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 Believers, I just ask for you to lift your voice with these. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he came for me. That his death covers all my sin. That he made me right with you. And I believe that today. And because of that, I'm your child. You're going to work on me and change me from the inside out. And I look forward to that. I give you permission to work in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you as we get out of here today. Lord, we just thank you for your amazing love for us. And Lord, as we look into this new year, Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to open our hearts to what you want to do in our lives. Not about what we want to do for you, but what you want to do for us. Lord, speak to us about the growth and the change and the, the life. Lord, the permission you want to enter those places in our lives and change us from the inside out. Lord, I just pray that 2016 is a year of growth for us all. Lord, at the end of it, Lord, that we're going to see, wow, the Holy Spirit has made a huge difference in me. Lord, we're so grateful for that and we're thankful for what you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all enjoy your wintry Sunday. Shit.